Scientists have identified the key ways in which we humans are destroying the ecosystems on which we depend. Is there climate change? Yeah. I mean, will it change back? Probably, that's what I think. How dare you? The British Conservation Alliance was launched by students in the United Kingdom to advocate for market-based environmental reforms. You should be empowered to deal with those problems. Lebanon, Poland, Spain, the US, the UK, Austria. It's just really cool seeing all these people gather to talk about these ideas when we weren't doing this a year ago, and we're doing it now. We can begin to defend the Earth against the disaster of global warming. The Green Market Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Green Market Podcast. The world is changing, the environment, society, the markets and governments are facing challenges never seen before, and meeting them head on, sometimes with excitement and ingenuity, sometimes with pessimism and despair. We're here to guide you through all of it. Today we welcome you to a bonus pod of sorts, shorter than our usual but just as important. Last week the government published the world's first green print to decarbonise all modes of domestic transport by 2050. An ambitious target, but undeniably a necessary one. It is a plan condemned by the more pessimistic as having too much faith in innovation. Perhaps an unsurprising response from those who have never shown much faith in free markets at all. We're delighted to be joined, however, today by somebody who doesn't subscribe to that hopeless defeatism, Elizabeth Dion. An economist by background, Elizabeth has over 20 years experience at a senior level in the transport sector, leaving few better qualified than her to comment on this kind of governmental commitment. So welcome, Elizabeth. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Now I'm doing very well on this very warm day. Fantastic. Could we start by giving a a, a broad insight into into what you do, who you are, um, and why you are so fantastically positioned to, I think, give us all a real insight to, to why this bill is so this policy is so important and, and the broader context around it. Absolutely. So I was absolutely delighted that the BCA were interested in logistics, interested in freight, interested in freight transport. So uh, you will know that transport's the largest contributor to UK domestic greenhouse gases, 27%. So it is a subject absolutely demanding of your time. But also it's one where the market will deliver many of the answers. So absolutely fits um, with pro-market environmentalism and logistics uh, is at the heart of that, Logistics UK. So we represent all modes of transport is very wide. So that's from your vans, from your e-cargo bikes as a mode of transport, your HGVs, uh, which carry so much of uh, the traffic, but also rail, ships and air as well. And each of those contributes quite a lot to greenhouse gases. So you've got your HGVs at around 16% and vans around uh, that type of proportion uh, as, as well. Um, and they're very, very different types of markets. So your road is a co- perfectly competitive market. Uh, there's uh, about 70,000 operators in that market as well, um, 400,000 HGVs. And we contrast that with rail. It's got very few operators. Uh, all of rail freight is private sector, but working on publicly owned infrastructure and vying for that infrastructure with publicly owned passenger operators. So each of those markets is very, very interesting and also requires different things. Logistics UK, we're a trade association. We've got 18,000 members across all those different modes, both operators of and users of logistics. 
And a business uh, a group, a trade association, there's many things that businesses can control. Um, what they put in their contracts, what they pay people, how they train people. And we deal with that wider business environment of things that they can't control. And often it's things that government have more control over. And the environmental regulations and ambitions and what that means for your business is a really important part um, of our work. And we, a government have a policy and our job is to help that them land that policy in the most beneficial way to UK PLC because logistics is a really important part to the backbone of the economy as well and the environmental work we've been doing more and more I've got three people in my team with an environmental background really focused on this we run an environmental working group with about 50 members from waste, utilities, major retailers, online retailers, supermarkets, councils, parcel companies, uh, 3PLs, and very recently, which I'm hoping will generate a lot of excitement, on the 30th of June and 1st of July, and this will be repeated next year, we've teamed up with the ITT hub, that's Innovation and Technology in Transport hub at Farnborough Airport. And there you can see the new HGVs that run on electricity, run on battery, run on hydrogen, uh, vans as well, autonomous transport, all the new things uh, that the market is providing uh, to logistics. I think what's made really, really clear there is, and, and really exciting, is, is the huge scope of, of not only what you do, but also the challenge, uh, really, that the government's having to face here in this, in this really, really ambitious target. And that's, that's fantastically exciting for everybody that's involved. And it is, it, it is a really great challenge and, and something that, that has uh, potential to re really huge benefits, but can make it quite hard, I think, for people on the outside with only like a, a, a passing... Um, uh, acknowledgement of the situation to to really get their teeth into and understand. So, if you wouldn't mind, could you give us a, a briefish breakdown for for those who may not be into the meat of it? What what the government has actually uh, announced last week, what it's proposing, um, and and what that actually means for for regular people. Uh, yes, indeed. So uh, last uh, week you used the very uh, good word, a green print. Um, so what was exciting for us is one of our main parts of our environmental work was in fact asking for a plan. So plans give uh, or allow businesses to begin to build certainty and clarity. And there were 220 pages in the transport decarbonisation plan and we had lots of consultations uh, alongside it and there's lots more of things to come so picking out what exactly uh, is in there is very important so if we start with one of our biggest um, types of vehicle and also the hardest to see what the environmental future is the HGV that's something that is quite uncertain for us at the moment there's a consultation taking place on phase out dates for non-zero emission HGVs. So there's a proposal that that phase out date will be 2035 for under 26 tonnes and 2040 for over 26 tonnes. And um, alongside that, there's a review on the regulations which will uh, help that happen. So that's for HGVs. Um, for low carbon fuels, 
they will be developing a strategy for low carbon fuels and their role up to 2050, uh, which is very important uh, because the zero carbon um, fuels or power, and that uh, will include electricity, battery and hydrogen, but there's also a range of lower carbon fuels that can be used. So we need a strategy um, for that as well. Uh, there's a commitment to ensuring charging infrastructure meets the demand of users. And there's lots of promises around looking at last mile deliveries. So what you particularly see in city centres where there's mainly uh, many different types of new modes which are being developed from an e-cargo bike, from things on um, uh, surfboard, well surfboards, what's the name for them? Uh, skateboards, all sorts of things um, for, for that last mile delivery. Consolidation centres could be part of this. There's also a commitment to look at planning to increase mode shift for passengers. Um, very ambitious targets there. Um, by 2030, wanting half of all journeys in towns and cities by cycling or walking. And that has a really big impact on freight because uh, the car is the biggest causer of congestion, which impacts on freight efficiency and also emissions uh, the more time we spend idling as well. Um, but mustn't forget the other modes as well as the road-based modes. There were talk, there's talking there for uh, rail plans around electrification um, with the aim of zero emissions for rail by 2050. There's a rail freight growth target, which we are delighted to see. And consultation stage though for shipping, for big ships and also air. So no promises, but consultation uh, for those modes as well. So still lots in it, but um, hopefully that was a, a more straightforward breakdown. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I think it absolutely was. And from, from that, the ones that I think really stand out for for ordinary people on the streets are, are the commitments over charging points and, and regulations over cars very specifically, as, as well as some commitments that were were made over over flight that were, were somewhat uh, more positive than I think people were expecting. I, I think the broad comment was you can keep flying like normal will will work around you, which I think it has been counter to the narrative that we've we've really, really seen over the past couple of years. Did that, did that surprise you or was that uh, kind of consistent from what you've seen in terms of the innovation in the market? Um, yeah, so we have been fortunate. We have an air council, so we, we've been fortunate to see the types of work that Jet Zero um, are, are doing, uh, which is the proposals which are being consulted on. And sometimes it's not what's written or what's said, but is how people uh, are reacting that is the biggest clue to um, confidence about the future. And all the people we've met who have involved in Jet Zero have been upbeat, confident and also quite calm that their industries are there for the future and the future is an exciting one but yes I think we're moving uh, away from the view we might have all had that everything we do uh, is is bad and we must stop it or we must plant trees to offset it um, so definitely this is the view of a government who want to put Britain first and want to, us to invest and then to export our, our knowledge. And we see that also over connected and autonomous vehicles, which is another area where government is really keen for us to be the world leaders. We're not quite at America and China standard, but we're certainly um, up there above the rest on our innovation already for those. I think that that's really optimistic to hear because I, I think you get a lot of the commentary um, on this kind of report um, 
a lot of the time from people that really don't know a huge amount what they're talking about. So, so any any times when we can hear from people that do, um, especially with positivity like that, I think it really does put the mind at rest. Because uh, of course, from lots of from lots of groups which we we won't name, who are kind of more synonymous with the negativity, their largest criticism of this was that it was too reliant on innovation, as I, mm. I briefly mentioned earlier. Do you think that's ever a legitimate criticism or is that kind of just the negativity that comes with not believing that free markets are, not believing that they work and then that kind of leads you down a path of being having to criticise everything? Do you think there's any any credence to that? Um, yeah, so I, th I think it is, uh, it's an easy thing to say and uh, clearly a lobby world, lots of people were saying these things don't exist yet. And that's one of the biggest roles we see for government, these, this route map, the plan, when um, the legislation is going to change so that things need to be phased out. Because without that, it's really hard for individual businesses to find the money to, in fact, innovate. You all need a business case to innovate. Uh, and in our industry where the margins are only at 1.4%, unless we do get some of those government milestones out there, uh, then that innovation and those investment cases aren't, aren't um, are, are, are too difficult for, for us to deliver. Um, but it's the ITT hub, the Innovation and Technology and Transport Hub that uh, also brought it to life. And even as somebody who's involved in the industry, uh, I was absolutely shocked by the number of vehicles uh, available and it, that existed, that you could sit in, that you could drive in. Uh, we had Renault, we had DAF, we had Mercedes, we had Volvo, uh, we had uh, Iveco, all the big manufacturers and, and, that's, and, uh, and other ones too that are just starting up a rival and so on. Uh, do apologize for anybody I've, I've not mentioned. Uh, but that gives confidence seeing things happen and that will help people invest. Uh, it's not far away, uh, but you do have to be working a lot closer with your manufacturers now. And also for people working in these industries, the advice um, was very much do what you can when you can and don't feel that you need to go from not very much uh, in terms of alternative fuels or, or, or zero carbon fuels to something amazing straight away. Uh, you can plan it in with your current replacement cycles because those changes are happening all the time. So it, it was a great let's calm down about this because the changes are already happening. I do think that's an important perspective because I, I think it was uh, both the Guardian and the Telegraph, oddly, I think, um, agreed last week in commenting on it that there was not a huge amount of new announcements um, in the announcement slash reports. Mm -hmm. A lot of it was kind of reaffirming announcements that have been made over the past few years and I think they kind of seemingly the comment section on Facebook and, and Twitter almost saw that as a negative but it for me I think personally at least it's demonstrate we've been going in the right direction for a while and we don't require a massive shift now we're we're on an upward trajectory we need to stay going in that direction and we, ju we just need to make sure that we keep going um whereas I think it, it's quite easy especially in this this world of political commentary to to kind of want the the massive changes that you can talk about and and feel that need for for ripping up the rule book every time um whereas from me personally it it was it was promising that there was nothing massively radical that popped up was that the same for you do you think 
when I look back uh, at our, our last uh, policy publication, which was designed to influence what was in the uh, transport decarbonisation plan, it did deliver what we wanted because where it, it didn't specifically address it, it gave a work stream that would be looking at those things. So we asked for things like a route map and a plan to provide that confidence and clarity, um, certainty on commercially viable tailpipe emission technologies. And then we saw the trials and we saw consultations, um, incentives about upfront purchase prices until the market matures, um, importance about infrastructure, and they were all there. Um, definitely all there um, and some of them are quite daunting but we've got to be talking about them so the regulations it's going to help the market develop and going to help um, people buy and provide um, provide that that pull for companies and manufacturers to develop new products uh, is, is an area where I'm always worried about when we come to the nitty-gritty of the incentives and getting those to work well. There is one area though that wasn't in the transport decarbonisation plan and does need to go hand by hand uh, with it and that is road pricing. And uh, we know something needs to happen because we know that diesel and petrol and fuel tax will not be there. We also know that that per mile role and disincentive to travel uh, has been important. And we do need to be doing that hand in hand with Treasury. And we are trying to get those discussions going, but not yet. From, on a scale of one to 10 then from, I know that's a very, it's not the best way to, to measure, measure the, the positivity on something this complex. But uh, on on a scale of one to ten, how how positive do you did you feel after after seeing it published? And obviously, I imagine you've seen bits and bobs before. But is is this a seven and a half? Is this a ten? Or is or is this very middling? Uh, yeah, so I think we'll be definitely around around the seven and a half, and I'll be feeling an awful lot better when we've been looking at those CO2 regulations and also looking at what transforming last mile deliveries means. One of my biggest concerns is an average city, so the size of Birmingham, 45,000 tonnes of goods it needs every day to keep going, and the most efficient way is to deliver those in lorries because it takes that it's well efficient for many angles including use of road space but because those are difficult to move to low or zero carbon my concern is that what we're already seeing will happen more and more and it's the big lorries that are banned and that's actually a, a concern in terms of efficiency and also in terms of sustainability and impact on the environment but they're easy to ban uh, because cars and voters are hard to ban and they're seen as big and ugly and therefore bad. Um, so I do have some things that I need to be uh, to, to be feeling more confident about, but, but we're not there yet. And that's the types of things I need to take with me into the discussions and the consultations. So um, big can be good BCA people, don't forget that. That is a challenge of all government, I think, we see when there's really complicated issues that the government does tend to just go, that thing's really big and looks kind of scary, so we'll just get rid of it. Um, and it's not a great way to legislate, but it's, it's a very easy way to legislate. And uh, it, it will appease people on the internet, which I think is, is the danger of, of some of the governments, the governments that we've seen over, over the past few years, especially. Um, but going on to the impact on the consumers, on, on a consumer then, or an ordinary person that's not directly involved, 
this can hurt their pocket as well, and there has been some some concern, I think, uh, to take some like petrol petrol and diesel cars uh, or new ones being banned by twenty thirty. There there has been some concerns. Um, I I know for sure, but among some in BCA especially, um, that this would essentially create a class divide in 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 regards to those who can who can travel. Is that a legitimate concern? Do you think, or um, will the market end up coming out uh, and kind of equalising? Um, and making electric cars essentially affordable for everyone, or is, or is that not realistic? Um, so event- eventually it, it will. Um, I can already see um, from the, the particular area of the country in, in where I live that uh, the, the shiny Tesla is the new Range Rover uh, in terms of um, status symbol at, at the moment, and there'll be early and late adopters based on household income. But that's for cars. But there is a huge amount of rethinking, particularly in the autonomy space, about what is about shared transport and renting and the different business models. Um, so I think they could be quite radical uh, changes there. In terms of uh, somebody who's a consumer for, for freight and for goods being delivered to their houses or, or things that they buy from shops, there are some um, pretty significant concerns uh, in the future around efficiency, uh, with which we need to work. For example, batteries take up lots of space. And currently we have um, limits on how heavy your vehicles can be on the road. So uh, there is a trade-off between allowing vehicles to be heavier or allowing them to be bigger, which is also more fuel efficient as well as load efficient. Um, And if that isn't the case and we can't increase the size and weights of vehicles or battery technology can't slim down fast enough, you can imagine an inefficiency in the system which will be priced um, and also that th- there could be pricing about enforced consolidation too, uh, which is one of the options for last mile delivery. Um, it may be that we also need to think about our own behaviours in terms of next day shipping and next hour shipping, same day delivery, all the things that we had no idea we wanted uh, a, a couple of years ago, but now we uh, we are expecting. So I'm, I I think we may need some nudging and letting go of that uh, in order to, to to meet those targets. That that is really interesting because I I don't think that uh, that's something that even a company like Amazon, um, who I, I know they've trialed trialed it, I, I presume in the US, the the kind of the drone next hour shipping. Um, that kind of thing isn't really ever going to work on a on a massive scale just from the amount of people that use it you'd need millions and millions and millions of drones with with complete access to all airspace um, yeah uh, so- this back to my big can be good um, view of, of life and uh, we very politely uh, talk about uh, those sorts of things as being niche remembering that 45,000 tons of stuff that needs to be delivered uh, every day uh, to do you think that's a change that happens naturally then or is is that something that government kind of kind of has to really take the lead on or, or do we just as a society go look there's certain things which realistically if we if we want to be environmentally aware that we we can't expect anymore or does that need to come from the top um so yeah so it can come for it it's going to come from a discussion so uh, one of the uh, even though i work in this area um, the discussion between industry, government and stakeholders is so important uh, and it will end up being a, a, a joint thing that we all come to the realisation uh, that, that we have to do. It will 
It will also be around what government decides to invest in, in terms of connected and autonomous vehicles. And if it does decide to invest in drones or uh, autonomy for, for bigger vehicles, but it is all about conversations. Uh, that, that's the best way to get change. Fantastic. Thank you very much. I think we, we've covered a fair, a fair bit here, um, and I don't want to take too much of your time. Is there anything that you think we've kind of uh, skated over or, or missed out that you'd really like to really like to get your teeth into? Um, no, I think we've covered quite a few things I was uh, thinking about um, before today. And what we haven't done is gone massively over time because you did promise your viewers and thought. Uh, podcast but I do have a team of complete environmental specialists so if you're needing to dig deeper and to know about all the different alternative fuels what they could deliver where you should back your horses the different trials then uh, happy to help with that for the um, the very keen listener that really does sound fantastic we'll definitely we'll definitely try and get that sorted for the future thank you very very much it has been really fantastic to have you especially for my for my first uh, podcast hosting um it's it's been a it's been a fantastic introduction so thank you very very much for coming thank you best of luck thank you for listening to this episode of the green market subscribe to our channels wherever you're listening to us to make sure you see every time we post a new episode